Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, and this is the recorded audio of a DM-only live stream in which I prepare for our next live session and chat with fans twice a week at my Rogue Watson YouTube channel. Please note that these streams are full of DM spoilers. This was not originally intended for an audio-only format, but has been converted to a podcast for your convenience. The channel and by extension this podcast are supported by Patreon. If you'd like to support my work, you can do so at patreon.com slash roguewatson. Enjoy the show. Watson here, freelance writer, player of games, writer of board, recorder videos, and a tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the Thursday edition by bi-weekly behind-the-scenes DM-only livestream at Crafting Icewind Dale, which I build, write, and prepare for our next session of Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. We're playing characters of Alrobin, Frey, Celeste, Edmundor, Thimbleweed. This is not meant for you, but for the rest of you, welcome. Assuming, of course, you don't mind the spoilers. We stream our D&D sessions live on YouTube every Friday. Watch all of our D&D sessions and reviews here on YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Rogue Watson and join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. For our campaign, we use roll20.net. And for streaming, I use open broadcaster software with Streamlabs. Everybody is having a good week so far. By the way, I'm showing you the uh, loading splash screen, which I don't always do in the crafting streams, as a tease for uh, you. You are right now the first ones who get to see uh, the new Thimble Cream picture uh thanks to jimmy mcclure for uh doing another updated transformative picture for the new and i would say improved thimbleweed who has now embraced his uh, true self and is now part of the official lineup we've got tokens ready everything it's looking really really good you'll you'll see bigger versions of it um during the actual session uh tomorrow but that'll be a fun unveiling i think for everybody all right so we are currently talking about the Island of Solstice, we're in Chapter 5, and the party has recently crash-landed on the Island of Solstice. It is a pretty good-sized island, but honestly, this is not, you know, I really don't want to turn this into a hex crawl or a, a square crawl. At this stage, I honestly, I think Tomb of Annihilation just kind of broke me of, of hex crawls in general, but if there ever was going to be an outdoor gauntlet to get through this would probably be the one however this also has a little mini dungeon that is kind of the more interesting area here so um, while I do want to make sure to drain the party's resources and um, commit to the fact that this is supposed to be a very dangerous supernatural scary location that even an ancient dragon was like I'm getting out of here uh, I, I do want to throw some encounters at the players but I also don't want to just spend sessions and sessions and sessions out here uh, on the island, just trudging around, and there's, there's, it's not like an open world exploration thing. There's not like a lot of stuff to go do or experience. And in fact, if you look at the way the map is annotated, a lot of the, I mean, it looks like there are things, but they're actually repeated. So like the shipwrecks are technically all like one kind of location, but you can seed them with whatever creatures you want. Um, and then we've got these ice sculptures that are the exact same location. They're just located in different areas. The only unique one is. Uh, the Yeti Caves, which are technically here, but, you know, I can put those caves anywhere that I need to. Uh, and then this ring that a troll resides in, which I can skip. So I'm thinking about putting the... Which I don't think they've actually seen this map yet. But I'm thinking of maybe putting the players here because this is the closest location that I have to a uh, a shipwreck if I wanted to tantalizingly let them do kind of just an optional little mini dungeon crawl full of uh, monsters um, I think that's still my best spot. The, the the story wants you to start here, but there's really no point. Like, that's where the docks are, so that's where a ship would come in. But uh, there's no reason for me to be tied to that particular location. What's the circle thing? Uh, the circle is it just... Yeah, it's a, it's a layer of an ice troll. I don't think it has anything else really uh, going for it. Um, I need to pull that up. Where is that? Island of Solstice, just to make sure I'm not lying about it. I-6 is a Garden of Death, a 10-foot tall wall of ice. 
Uh, it appears to be a huge garden of ice sculptures, which weirdly we already have a garden of ice sculpture, which is ice four, which is the ice statues. So it repeats the same weird thing twice, except the statues are kind of a, a trap hazard situation happening, whereas this thing just has an ice troll. <laughs> so whatever. I'm not going to throw the ice troll at them, by the way, again, because they already uh, dealt with ice trolls, and uh, I also established the fact that you can rip out an ice troll's heart and eat it and gain uh, very powerful regenerative healing, which makes the bar which makes our very powerful barbarian even more very powerful. So probably ixning uh, that whole situation from here on out. So uh, to prepare the encounters, as we and, I'm, and I know realize I'm kind of repeating what I went over on. Uh, Monday, but that is what you get for Thursday's crafting stream, is an optional shipwreck encounter. Entirely optional. They don't have to do it. It's just, hey, if you want to go here, there's probably loot and monsters. You know, it's the closest I can get to like an open world. Like, hey, there's a point of interest you can go over. Um, otherwise, their goal will be to make it to Grim Scala. Now, here is an interesting point that I would love to ask all of you. Um... For the purposes of this map, and really for any uncharted region, the players would not technically have access to this map, right? They would not have a glorious mini-map or, or region map, whatever you want to call it. They could pull up by hitting the tab button and uh, look and see the entire glorious map. Uh, in other words, there's no like fog of war system or... Uh, D&D that I could set up here. Now, the Tomb of Annihilation had a very interesting one where the Roll20 version, a big reason why I liked it, is it had the it had the map, but all of the hexes were kind of shadowed. They had like another layer on top of it that you could um, uh, delete, and then it looked like the players were following a little path, and I loved that. I don't want to go through the trouble of necessarily doing that here, but technically there is supposed to be a light fog everywhere, and the players aren't supposed to know the layout of this area. So even though it's not that big, it's I think we literally determined it's about a little over a mile uh, from one end to the other, uh, maybe uh, a mile and a quarter or so. So the question I want to ask is, do you think I should keep it as is, which is the players have full breadth of this map and, and knowledge, or do I want to actually get a little bit fancy and maybe turn off global illumination to where they only see like immediately around them. And then it kind of becomes more of a, we don't know where we're supposed to go. We're just inching along. That would technically be more thematic, but I just mentioned that I don't want to turn this into a, a, a hex crawl slash square crawl, which I feel like that would only encourage them just wandering around. So and also, I, I do like the look of this map. I mean, it looks cool to be able to see this whole map in all of its glory. But, you know, with Tomb, I had a way of, of they, they acquired a map. They basically saw a map in the course of the beginning of that campaign. It just wasn't filled in. It was an uncharted map. But here, they don't have that uh, map knowledge. Now, they did technically see it from the air. So, maybe I can just say that, hey, because you all were able to see, even though it was shrouded in fog, you were able to see the general layout. I mean, it's only a mile, uh, you know, across or so, and you think you still remember, like, you know, maybe based on where you crashed that here's the general map layout. I could also say that because it's a mostly flat and featureless, except for this large, basically it builds towards this mountain in the middle, I believe. Um, I have to look back up, I guess, on... Well, Grimskala actually looks. Is Grimskala actually on Solstice or no? I don't think it is. Okay. Is it located on... Describe it. Rising before you is a 600-foot-tall mountain of glacial ice. Okay. So I think clearly, no matter where you are, you would very clearly see a mountain in the middle. So that probably answers my question. Is You might not be able to technically see all these various spokes, but... Uh, even with the light fog, you would very clearly see a 600-foot-tall mountain in the middle of this area. So I think I'm just going to keep, answer my own question, I think I'm just going to keep this map as is and not really um, mess with the lighting or anything. And that way the players can, because I don't mind them making a beeline is the is the solution. I don't need them to, to wander around or get lost or anything. They can easily make a beeline. And we still have half a mile of, of, of rough, supernatural, cold terrain full of 
cold enemies that I can unleash. And this ice sculpture thing is literally on the way. Uh, hopefully they, you know, I can just describe it as they go by. Can't move this, can I? Is this tied to the map? Yeah, I think these are all actually tied to the map. Okay. So I'm thinking we can do the uh, the Frost Druid encounter, which is going to be the warning of like, hey, you need to get out of here. Uh, then we can do an ice sculpture thing. Then we can do the Yeti Caves. Then we can do Grim Scala. And that's probably enough um, on the way encounters. I am going to include the regional effect uh, that instead of the one that's built in here, which is nasty, 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 where they basically don't really get to short rest with their uh, dice, I'm going to say that you have to make a con save for uh, exhaustion with a DC 15 every time that you short or long rest. That seems really nasty also. However, that's only if they actually do it outdoors without any magical effects. And as we recall, uh, Edmund does have three uses of uh, Leoman's Tiny Hut, and that would negate any kind of problematic issues they have and any regional effects they would have to deal with. So they can easily just pop that hut. Now that may slow them down in terms of how often they want a short rest because they would only have those three uses of the hut. So maybe they have to think twice about it, but also we just established that they never short rest in the last two freaking dungeons. So the party, if I was the monk, I'd be screaming about that, but I guess they uh, they make do. And I guess at this high of a level, maybe it doesn't matter. You've got so many resources. Uh, you don't necessarily need to do that. All right, so for the boat... Um, I'm just repurposing the Dark Duchess map completely. I've deleted all the old stuff, and this is the new stuff. I'm kind of just going to ignore this top end and just do these two bottom ones. Now, here's also a good question. I actually have two options I can do on maps. I can I can either repurpose this Dark Duchess, which I'm thinking of doing, and just say, hey, it's just crashed you know, into the bergs. There's no you know, hazard with trying to get to it or anything, but it is crawling with... Uh, they won't know that until they get on the ship, but it is crawling with um, the former crew, which has turned into these unique kind of undead ice creatures, which are, I believe, from Tomb of Beasts 2, uh, both of them. I'm, I'm combining two different encounters here. I am combining the, uh, if you look at the ship table, one of them says 20 ghouls, and the other one says two giant sharks in the ship's hold. Well, I'm replacing those ghouls, which are all CR1, with these... Uh, slightly more powerful, I think the Glacial Cryptors might actually be CR1, they are. Um, and then the Chill Haunts are actually CR3. So I'm using fewer enemies, but making them a little bit more powerful and, and hopefully a little more uh, interesting as well. Uh, combining melees and ranged, and then also adding that the Captain was, was possibly turned into a Cold Light Walker. Good roll... See hit points for all of these creatures. There we go. It's an awesome macro. So that'll just be a big old combat. And then the lower hole, which I've kind of slapped together here, which is to say this area, this ship is actually, you know, half sunken into uh, the sea. Uh, there's no treasure on this top end, but if they go down uh, below, then if they survive through these giant shark, which keep in mind, you know, they've got resources of getting around, but... It's still sunken around. Even if you fly around, maybe you could avoid the water, but I would still allow the giant sharks to certainly be able to melee attack people. Uh, then you can get at the treasure, which there are some treasure options, which don't even seem scaled for level 7. They seem pretty damn nice. Uh, the examples are the one with the marrow has 400 gold, 800 silver, and 4 pieces of jewelry. That could be a nice little haul. Uh, this one with the sea hags has just thousands of silver and copper pieces as well as a potion of water breathing. I could add up maybe a few potions in there. And then there's a, let's see, giant oysters, which has a chance to have a crystal ball-sized white pearl, which is huge. And then this one is from a frost giant, I think, treasure ship, which has thousands of gold, silver, and a plus two weapon. Um, I don't think I need to put anything that's super, uh, like, requires attunement level awesome. And, and it would make sense that anything that would be particularly magic or something then gone and... Nas would have taken, so it would mainly just be kind of coinage treasure with dynamic lighting around the mountain. Global give them long vision. It is flat tundra. So like the mountain is just kind of that yeah, that could work. You can kind of visibly see that. That that might actually work pretty well. Let's let's see what that looks like, Sylvan. So anyway, the options between that ship, but I also found uh, uh this map. Um by, it's on uh, Roll20's Marketplace, Quick Encounters Berg. I believe it's Gabriel Picard, my one of my favorite 
uh, roll 20 artists just because you know, how often are you going to use this map right like you i actually have a situation that's exactly what i'm looking for which is a ship that is broken up into uh, the actual uh, uh iceberg here um i would probably move it to where it's you know connected to the landmass or something like this uh the bummer is this map the ship is not nearly as big as the other ship clearly it is um I think only like 50 feet, uh, 60 feet across versus the Dark Duchess ship. I mean, and the other problem is it's only, what, 15, it's 15, it's, sorry, 60 feet long and only about 15 feet across versus the actual, like, zoomed-in map is, I think it's more like 100, let's see, 90, 95 feet long and 35 feet across. Now I could blow the other map up. Uh, it would start looking worse and worse the more I um, embiggen it. But uh, it's just a thought. And unfortunately, this one doesn't have the lower level like the other one does. And I've already kind of put the work in on the other one. So I'm probably going to stick to the other one. I just like the fact that this one has an interesting, like, um, I guess a more interesting outdoor situation. So instead of that awkwardness of the players, like, having to climb up into it or, you know, teleport their tokens over and put them in the middle of it, you can just put them on the edge of this map and let them kind of discover uh, these creatures as they go for it. But I think you'd have to blow this map up an uncomfortable amount to get it to be the same size, wouldn't you? If we can already... It's, it's I mean, designed for 30 by 30, but the ship is just not big enough. Okay, actually, the resolution is pretty good. <laughs> it's not looking too bad. All right, so how big is this right now? We're going to use this map. And what's interesting is this uses different parts of the ship. The other one I had cut off different areas. All right, this is 80 feet by 20 feet, so it's still a little bit smaller. And I don't have to use the same size ship. I'm just trying to picture, like, hey, can I use the same amount of uh, enemies? And then what do you use for the hold, though? I guess I just use a, a map and kind of... I could just use... Well, I, I could use the Dark Duchess map. Fuck it, I could use that as the bottom end maybe like cut off the dynamic lighting uh to where the hold is back because i still want to use the giant shark thing which would be in the water like down here or is this all just too much um where it says uh, yeah so I, i'm looking for advice if you think i should use something like this where it, it kind of utilizes the um the ship crashed onto the berg which would be fun because that way they can just kind of come across it uh, naturally, maybe. And now it's starting to look a little bit blown up, so I don't know if I want to get much bigger than this. But you can see I can easily make it so um, they can just naturally come across it without it looking like it's part of an island. In fact, I can even uh, turn it. So big. Probably be on this side. And then you could make it longer this way if you wanted to. And then they can come across it this way. And that gives you 85 length. And unfortunately still only like 20, 25 foot across. I think that's about as big as I want to get. I wonder how it would look like with shoving all the enemies on there though. And that would be a case where do you let the players, uh, do you have the undead milling about, or do you have it where they only rise when the players get near, which is what I'm thinking about doing. And you could just assume that the hold is, uh, you know, down here in the water. You can take a vote on which map do you like better. Right there. And you could have them, um, you have the players come from any of these directions, honestly. Like, Michael says, I think the second one looks better. This doesn't use all that much key points. Not in a regular fight, but I guess in the boss fights and stuff, she, I, I, I don't know, I kind of disagree. I, I feel like she's used a lot lately. Um, she doesn't like stunning strike a lot, but she tends to use the, um, whichever one lets you do more attacks. Uh, I know in the last boss fight she seemed to be using a lot, but 
I only, I also am not sure how many she has at this point. Alright, so if I take, if I want to try to use all these enemies, throw them on this map. What does that look like? Also, I can still have some of them spawning in waves, which is kind of what I was picturing about doing. Like the captain and stuff can come out of the captain's quarters. Doesn't look like it's got a... I guess the bottom level's there. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I was picturing, is having the... Uh, have it look like it's got frozen... Uh, everything on there, like frozen bodies, maybe the players really pay attention, and then those bodies will obviously do the classic, like, oh shit, the undead are spawning. And uh, the, the chill haunts are meant to be your melee fighters, they only have the one melee move, and then I believe these guys are armed with bows. Which is kind of goofy looking. I almost wish they would like just fling like ice shards. I guess I could make them do that. Uh, in fact, they even say as a frozen shards. And, uh, that's a their melee ability, though. The place between the ice and the ship body needs the below deck there. Yeah. Um. So the way this map looks like, the ship is broken apart, and then there's just nothing on this bottom layer. But I think I can fit the hold here if I just cut the water level up. Um. I may have to reduce it to one giant shark instead of two because of the size, but. This way you get to take advantage of this. I just think it's a it's an interesting map because again, how often are you gonna use like a shipwreck in a glacial, you know? <laughs> it's like this is the perfect opportunity for this situation. But yeah, I did work on the the other map and try filling with water and actually put in like a little bit of effort to make it look better. And so if we wanted to, we could still use this map, but I would probably just maybe cut the dynamic lighting up. Where you only see like this half of the ship, and I could still use this map for that for that purpose. This would also be in the water, actually. Copy that one. I just found some good. I, this actually is from the same set. It's called Quick Encounters Bergs. Uh, from Gabriel Picard. It's just my junky way of trying to fill this area with frozen water. No matter if it goes over the edge, the players won't see that. So in other words, it looks bad on my end, but on their end, they just see it. They'll still see the painted region uh, for dynamic lighting purposes. Something like that. That needs to go front. We'll have like a floating chest in here. And we can actually go to the dynamic lighting layer, and I think we'll cut it off. So otherwise, I can still use this part of the map. What is that? Is that the, supposed to be the mast? I didn't realize that was there. That's not going to be there. All right. Line and cut it off like here ish. I actually know where the grid is. I'll say the grid is there. Okay, that's fine. When they spawn in, if they want to go down a ship, they'll have to come down to like here, and that's where they'll have to deal with. The shocks. We'll put one just in reserve. So they can drag them for if they're spawning in there. Three point per level. Oh, okay. So just they have 11. We'll call this. Oh, what was the name of the ship? Because that, the, what I was trying to do is say, and it really wouldn't make sense that this ship would be this fucked up in this short a time. But again, I'm I'm really stretching the time frame here because I've only said it's been a couple days, like since Revels End went to shit and they escaped. Um, it I mean it probably realistically took them days just to reach there. So logically, this ship would have only just 
made it here. But I think it'd be cool if it turns out like, oh, this is the, you know, you guys crashed right next to the ship that they took and you know, they abandoned it and turned into ice guys. Or I could just make it a random ass ship full of ice creatures. I guess it doesn't matter too much. Um, it's not like there would be any story stuff for them to find necessarily other than like, okay, this is the ship that, I guess the only story thing would be if the players were like, well, let's try to find the ship that they took and we can use that to get out of here. And then I'm saying, well, that ship has been destroyed. Uh, all right, so I will look up the ship name then. What was it? it in chapter two. Uh, Rebels end. Docks were oh, R1. Uh, oops, it's not under the docks. Somebody help me. What was the name of the ship? I not have... Oh, where was that information? Shoot. I do not recall. Um, well, I can look at my notes then. Maybe I thought I'd be able to find it here easier. Let's look up Rebel's End. I said I looked it up it's somewhere in here that it tells you that there was a ship dock. I didn't just make that information up. <laughs> All right, so we found it in the cell. Uh, a ship called the Ravenous. Command. Oh, that's great. It's called Ravenous. Commanded by Captain Charlasta Stormsword. I was able to look up in my notes faster. That is what this ship is called. Ravenous shipwreck. That's true. It is super. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Like it just rapidly killed everybody on board. They didn't have any means of like um, protecting themselves. And clearly, if you die here, you are definitely turned into some kind of supernatural undead cold creature. Cold light walker is the obvious choice, but I can't make everybody a cold light walker in here. They're just too strong of a stat block. So instead, I think I'll make, I'll make the captain a cold light walker, and maybe the classic like parrot will be like a little ice method. <laughs> and then uh, the crew will have turned into all of these uh, chill haunts and glacial corruptors. But I'm going to use, uh, I think, all of these as additional spawns. The captain can come out of the captain's. Uh, no cab cabin here, is there, though? Well, they can all spawn from this bottom end, I guess. I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out. Uh, followed by these ones. So we'll probably have these initial enemies, and then maybe the next round we'll add other ones. If the players go here, this is entirely optional. This is a rare case of me, the DM, adding an entirely optional content. Which is why I don't want to but too much. It's weird to say I don't want to put too much effort into it, but you know what I mean. It's not going to be a bespoke like custom huge dungeon. This is kind of just an elaborate um, encounter with a unique uh, location. And uh, freezing water rules would clearly ap apply. Do we have freezing water rules in D&D? &D? Freezing fog. Uh, I guess extreme cold. Is there rules about damaging... I guess I could look up the freezing. What was that freezing fog? Extreme cold was just exhaustion, right? Gotta be careful with that. I mean, I could trigger like, hey, you, because you're in this water. It would probably be a case of like, if you're in the water for more than a round or something, then you have to make an exhaustion save versus cold damage necessarily. Also, this is the time where people with cold resistance or immunities uh, are going to have a big advantage. What I, you know what I'll probably do is not put the I'll do my classic not put the players on this map until they get close enough to until they really start like all right we're gonna start approaching the ship and you know start looking around then I'll put them on the map and then I'll I'll actually trigger the undead rising. Um, so I'll probably have them like here or so on the map 
And that way they're not in uh, battle mode too early. They're on exploration mode. I think that'll be a good tactic that I've employed before to uh, prevent them from maybe being uh, not necessarily too cautious, but just immediately thinking, oh, we're about to have a fight. Instead, it's like, oh, we're just exploring this uh, shipwreck. Maybe we can find something. And then, of course, the frozen bones littered around will start to animate and describe these cool-ass chill creatures. Now, if I don't end up using this battle, I may have to use these creatures somewhere else because they are really cool. Chill haunts. Weirdly weak to both cold and... uh, Sorry, they're weak to cold and not weak to fire. They actually want fire because they're, like, constantly... They, they like, died from cold, uh, and so they're, like, scared of it, but they want to be near heat, (laughs) which is... Uh, probably only going to surprise players once when they try and like, oh, cold creatures, I should, you know, bust out the fire spells and melt them. Uh-uh-uh. Just like a Remoraz, it's a bit of a trick to try to use fire damage against them. That is... And I'm, I'm assuming that's basically this one on the map right here. They can easily check that out. All right, and then the other encounter we've got... is this one, which is just my generic Tundra map, uh, where I've got it, which is the funny one we made last time, uh, which is a bunch of Frost Druids basically rolling up on the players uh, with a bunch of random uh, awakened animals that they would have at their command, and uh, including a tree. <laughs> a goddamn tree. Uh, even though there's not really a whole lot of trees around. I guess I could decorate this area a little more and put some more shit here, maybe rocks and things. Oh, that map pulled that bird map. Uh, let's see if he's got another glacial one. We could maybe use that. Decorate this a bit. Or the blank map I'm using now. Glacial chunks. Ooh, now the cliffs I'm probably going to use for the yetis. That's actually going to work really well. Shout out to Gabriel Picard. Always has the maps that I need. Ooh, maybe some frozen ice bottles. That would make sense, right? Snow mounds. Good. Yeah, that looks... Well dotted area. I think we should put these on there. Like how that looks. Here's what numbers on the GM layer too. Oh, thank you. Yes, you're right. Uh, would there even be trees out here? I mean, the bad thing is she's got an awakened tree, so I guess there'd have to be some. I could put some trees. I don't like that. The only thing I don't like about Picard is he puts shadows on everything. Tell me where the sun is, or that there even is a sun in this campaign. Because there's not. The minor component. The other thing is, if you put shadows on it, then I have to put all the shadows facing the same direction, you know? Sparse amount of trees. Where did you get that big of a tree? I like these hills, though. They look really nice. Blend with this map perfectly. Look like... Bigger is that one. Ooh, that also looks great. Love it. Look at this map coming to life. So good. Just coloring this map. Having a blast doing this. 3 by 4 It's a bigger one. Yep. That's... Also, I find it easier to move things on the token layer and then right-click and put them on the map layer. Otherwise, you run the risk of grabbing the map. Who wants to grab the map? There we go. I'll put a few things on there. So the idea here is the, the Frost Druids roll up and basically give them the pronouncement of, like, this is the domain of, you know, the Frost Maiden. Uh, you need to turn back or perish. And then the players can say whatever the fuck they want. And most likely this will uh, absolutely trigger a fight. Or maybe even if the players try and downplay things um, social-wise, I can have maybe the Frostmaiden force the issue. 
as they all, maybe all the frost druids like snap their heads up as a chill wind blows, like maybe a, a, even a minor blizzard hits, and they all turn down together and say the frost maiden is de decreed that um, we are to be our first trial or something. Because uh, the interesting thing is, I don't want the frost maiden necessarily be a, 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 a powerful villain in my campaign. I actually want her to be uh, eventually, hopefully, a quest giving. Uh, NPC after the players perhaps uh, battle her so I do want to and I, I kind of teased that before too or during the uh, the event with oops I put that on the wrong layer the Charlotte Dragon where she kind of appeared and took the the ice sculpture uh, animated owl and then mentioned something to the players to the effect of like you know prove yourselves to me against this dragon this whole thing has been them like proving against you know all of the trials and tribulations, which will come to a head, by the way, in Grim Scala, where literally there's a whole section uh, where you have to pass uh, various trials, and we will definitely be going over that because I think the idea is good. I'm not sure about the execution, but to where you have to like literally go through these like doors, and then you're teleported somewhere and have to um, survive these various uh, situations and trials. And I think all of that would be uh, in trying to earn her artifact, yes, but also it's her trying to, you know, say if they're just powerful enough, because uh, it would she would definitely believe in the survival of the fittest. And that would be a fun case where, like, Valen and, or not Valen, uh, well, yeah, but Ness, possessing Valen and Valish would want the players to be able to do those trials instead of themselves, since they are uh, clearly pretty hardy and powerful. My players train that maps are for exploration that encounters can emerge from. How do you train players to do that? Because <laughs> I think it's like uh, just a dog and meat. Like you just, that's it's food. I guess because you'd have to use maps and never have combat on them before. I don't know if that's actually been a precedence for us. I'm thinking about, I know this is a big bunch of enemies, but obviously all of these creatures are fairly exploitable, like they don't have any ranged attacks or spells. The Frost Druids do, so ideally they would hop off of their uh, mounts and let these various creatures uh, engage the players in melee. Then they would stand back and unleash uh, all of their various spells, which... Uh, are there any interesting extra ice spells I could add to these creatures, or to the Frost Druids? Because right now... Uh, Moonbeam is a good one. Um, does require concentration, but it's kind of an orbital laser. You can move around. Ice Storm, I believe, is the instant cast versus Sleet Storm, which is the ongoing effect, which I'm thinking about just adding a Sleet Storm in here anyway. Uh, that maybe the Frost Maiden is doing on her own. Ice Knife. See this one because the bad thing is their awakened animals would you know very easy to hit the AOE with uh, if they engage with the awakened animals. So it kind of depends on initiative on whether they're going to actually use Ice Storm. Eight bludgeoning damage and forty-six cold damage. So that'd be good, but it's a twenty-foot radius area. Uh, yeah, let's search ice and see. You know, I think I, what before I did is I looked up. Uh, let's see. 5e tools and filter the, uh, what things do cold damage, maybe? But Ice Knife is a good one. I think that's the one that, like, uh, can explode. Investiture of Ice is a little too powerful. Also, Rhymes Binding Ice from Fizzbands. It's a cone. Second level. It's just Burning Hands, but with a cone. Burst of cold energy emanates from a 30-foot cone. Each creature in the area must make a con. Saving throw on a failed save. A creature takes 3d8 cold damage and is hindered by ice formations for one minute. If you're hindered by ice, has its speed reduced to zero. Successful, a creature takes half as much damage and isn't hindered by ice. Technically, it's not a druid spell, but DM's uh, prerogative can use, I think, whatever fucking spells I want. <laughs> All of Ice is a 6-level spell. It's a little too strong. So I'm actually thinking about keeping them as a CR5, but I'm using multiple ones, obviously. Filtering Snow Fort. Should be looking at 
extra ones. I searched by ice and not snow. I should look at that too. Uh, let's see, ice, knife. I'll open that one up. Search snow. Now is the time to unleash all of our winter themed stuff. Uh, is it called snow? I think I have all the cobalt press stuff in here. Yeah, because I've got two uh, from Midgard Heroes Handbook, which is Snow Boulder and Snow Blind Stare. Oh yeah, and there's Snowlock Snowball Storm Swarm. God, I <laughs> that uh, title is designed to fuck up the tongue. Snow Boulder, which is a druid spell. Ball of snow forms within five feet of you and rolls in the direction you point, growing larger as it moves. As a bonus action, you can move the sphere up to thirty feet. If you roll the boulder. In into a creature, the creature must make a successful deck saver, be knocked prone. Oh, so you're actually keeping this thing around. Damage indicated below. Each round, the snow boulder increases in size and effectiveness. Hitting a creature doesn't stop the snow boulder's movement or impede its growth. That's an interesting idea, but what a pain in the ass to keep track of. For the first round, it does 1d6 bludgeoning. The second round, it does 2d6 bludgeoning. Okay. I feel like that's more trouble than it's worth. Like, you'd have to keep somebody concentrating on this for multiple rounds before it's useful. But it's like Flaming Sphere, where once you cast it, you just have to use your bonus action to do it. So maybe that's not the end of the world. Kind of interesting. It's something different. I mean, it's always fun to unleash things the players haven't seen. Okay, so I'll think about that one. Tidal Wave, but it's all snow. Was the Snowball Swarm? Flurry of Magic Snowballs. Each creature in a five-foot radius sphere centered on that point must make a deck save. Creature takes 36 cold damage and a fail to perhaps... Okay, that's pretty easy to understand. Got a 90-foot range. What point you choose within range. Each creature in a five-foot radius sphere. So you can... Let's see. Can you grab everybody? How do you rule that, by the way? It's a five-foot radius sphere... I guess you just choose a it's a square right is that a two by two if you if a point is a point literally like a corner of the square so you've only got a two by two grid of squares that you can hit with that or do you choose the square as a point and all of a sudden you've got a three by three grid in other words that's a that's more like a thunder wave that's probably meant that's probably too big than it's supposed to be but that's pretty solid that's easy like throw out the damage and i can actually upcast that uh, because you definitely would with spellcasters. You're not going to have that many slots. I would probably at least use a 4th level slot. You could up, you could make that a 5d6. Stan's saying a 3x3, three three. okay. Liking that. I might actually, I could drag these over to their sheets and add them. Snowblind Stare is a druid. Your eyes burn with a bright, cold light that inflicts snow blindness on a creature you target within 30 feet of you. Uh, if the target fails a con save, it suffers the first stage of snow blindness, or the second stage of snow blindness, already has the first stage. What the fuck does that mean, stages of snow blindness? See the appendix. <laughs> oh no! I don't have the appendix. Why would you... Well, I'm intrigued, but I need to know more. I don't know how to grab the appendix for Midgard Heroes Handbook in Roll20. To search the whole thing. Alright, somebody look up Snowblind stare if you can because uh, I'm intrigued about how that works honestly I mean it, wouldn't that it effectively is the same as blindness deafness uh, it also requires concentration I don't know if I like Cobalt Press doing all these two like multiple rounds and things happening that's I don't know if I'm that smart to keep up with that because their main attacks are just hardly worth using I guess the icicle is kind of interesting you could argue some of them could change shape, but the actual forms they can use are kind of garbage. I think they would just sit back and cast spells all day. Well, I wish there were a proper regular druid. Honestly, with the amount of spell slots they have, I, I should probably just add Ice Knife. And then I think because Ice Knife is first level, isn't it? Got too many things up. All right, well, let's add... Just for the hell of it, let's add Snow Boulder and the Swarm. Uh, this I don't know about the stair. 
Ooh, Armor of Agathus is a, actually a good one. Well. Jason, how dare you should know the time. I'm so consistent with the time. Not so much on our Friday night show, but uh, that's just life getting in the way, basically, of all of us. Uh, but at least I can try and commit to my crafting times, okay? Let's go back to ice. Ice, ice, baby. Doom, 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 doom. Ice knife. Funny, analyzed device technically has ice in it. Uh, it is first level, okay. And is technically a druid spell. 60 feet, you create a shard of ice and fling it at one creature within range. Make a ranged spell attack against the target on a hit. Target takes 1d10 piercing damage, hit or miss. The shard then explodes, and each creature within 5 feet of it, which that one definitely makes sense. Okay, so now you're shooting at a person, and then so it's 5 feet around them, which is like a 3x3 three three explosion. Next ever take 2d6 cold damage. That's perfect. That's probably going to be their default attack, honestly. I could use that as their default attack. I know, right? Their default spell list is just uh, not necessarily combat. I mean, I get why they have Awaken, because that's why they have these animals, but... Alright, so I'm loving the use of Ice Knife, for sure. In fact, if I'm smart, I would add that as an action up here, but... I guess, will it cast properly? Find out. If I just add it on here... Let's go to... Oh, jeez, it's already... Just for rolls. That's right, I've never actually used this creature before. We've made it this long in the campaign. I've never actually used a Frost Druid in combat. I have used them in the story before. Ravison was a major, a semi-major part of our story for uh, one of the towns. Ooh, perfect. Okay. They have a plus six to attack. That looks like it rolled correct. I almost got a crit. And... Oh, interesting. If you click on that, then it does this one. Okay. DC 14 is not the highest, but something. And I guess you have to go to spell description. So it, it's just the first one if it hits. This is only if I, this is actually if I use a level one slot, which honestly I could be probably a lot more cavalier with my spell slots, because how long are they going to stick around? Hit or miss, the target then explodes. And each creature within five feet of must use a dex save. I rolled really bad for the 2d6. Cast a spell slot second level higher. The cold damage increases. The actual initial damage doesn't ever increase. The AoE cold damage does. All right, well, that'll be their go-to. I'll use that as if it was a cantrip. Uh, if, they don't have any, if they don't have any other concentration things to use, Moonbeam is a great one. Because you turn that shit on. I guess you gotta click on that. The room of pale light shines down at a five foot radius uh, until the spell ends. Dim light fills the cylinder when a creature enters the spell's area for the first time or starts to turn there as a gulfed, a ghostly flame that causes searing pain. In this case, I guess I could still be ghostly flames. Make a con save, takes 2d10 radiant damage. The cool thing is, that's just always on, and then it, I believe it can be moved. They have to use an action to move it, though. Each of your turns are cast spell. You must use an, You can use an action to move the beam up to 60 feet in any direction. That's a bit more of a bummer. A lot of these depend on the initiative and depend on where the players are. Yeah, Nick, you just said. Um, but the nice thing is, I've got four of these Frost Druids, so hopefully I can get a mix of spells. And it'd be fun if I chose different things, I think, also. like it, I don't think it's as fun to do like four moonbeams, but I mean, one person cast moonbeam, one person do the snowball swarm. Um, somebody cast ice storm on an area where it's not going to hit allies. In fact, and if I do my other idea of adding snow golems, I believe they heal when they're hit by cold damage. Oh yeah, we like Grimes Binding Ice too. That's just straight up like burning hands, but with, um, with cold damage basically. I think we will add... That one to their stat block. Uh, it's probably all... They have Wind Wall, so is that worth using? I think I already used Wall of Ice. Got more trouble than it's worth. Concentration, make the wall, ship the wall. 
Each creature in the area must make a strength save. Creature takes three. Oh, it actually has damage. Creature takes three d eight bludgeoning damage on a failed save. Has much on a successful one. It's very hard to maneuver walls, though. Like, it's going to do its initial thing, hopefully in the best possible spot, and then immediately everybody's going to like maneuver around it. Smaller flying creatures can't pass through the wall. Well, or smaller flying creatures. Ordinary projectiles are deflected. That might actually be handy. It could protect you from projectiles, although you could also rule um, that... Uh, Thimbleweed's the only one that uses normal projectiles, but you could also rule that his magic um, bow shoots you know, special projectiles that do extra cold damage, so I'm not even sure it's worth using Windwall. Is cold. Ice cold, one might say. Could argue. Eric, do you really want to add more enemies to this mix? You just said you don't want to spend too much time out here. That is true. Uh, but, on the other hand, snow golems. <laughs> Haven't seen them in a while. They're a pain in the ass. And they are perfect here because they are uh, minions of the Frost Maiden. You considered the snow golem, and they can easily just, I can spawn them anywhere where there's fucking ice. Cold absorption. Whenever the golem is subject to cold damage, it takes no damage, and instead regains a number of hit points equal to the cold damage dealt. How much fun is that? So now I can actually, with impunity, launch AoE cold spells with the snow golems uh, right there up on people. In which case, if that's the case, I could even keep these creatures back. And, you know, they're, they're going to just be there helping defend the Frost Druids while these Snow Golems emerge. This is actually turning into a hell of a fight. I mean, I mean to scale back maybe the tree and the walrus because they're a little hilarious. Although, whatever, any one of these players can, like, do that much damage like, and basically kill one of these creatures right off the bat. So I'm <laughs> I have to check myself on how powerful some of these are, how the creatures are. You'll probably just leave it up to me how many I want to spawn. I would think at least four is a fair amount for snow golems. They are, I want to say, CR3. Yeah. They have no armor class. They're just big old snowmen, but 39 hit points is uh, pretty damn decent. They have uh, three multi-attacks including cold damage. These guys were deceptively challenging last time the players faced them. Um, if only because with my meek plus four, I was hitting a lot. One of those weird combats where it doesn't, you know, look too difficult, but then if the DM just manages to land all those hits, suddenly it gets for real. Or turn the druids back on to no whisper mode. Hi, sweetheart. Alright, so I feel like they've got a good chunk of spells. I honestly don't really want to use Conjure Animals, even though I could. It's just... Uh, I feel like it's a pain in the butt. And the best they can do is a one beast of challenge rating 2. Doesn't even... Oh yeah, it does. I guess by using a certain level high slot, you choose one of the summoning options above, and more creatures appear. Okay. So with a 5th level spell slot, uh, I guess you could do 2 CR2 beasts which I don't think gives you a tiger or a polar bear, does it? Oh shit, yeah, it does. Well, that's something. Oh, both of them are CR2s. Okay. Well, that might be worth one of them doing then. They could use a fifth level spot to summon... Uh... In fact, I wonder if it's better to have the druids not have... All these mounts and just summon them. Although that is concentration. Okay, that's a, that's a thought. The goal is that if you try to have each creature use their own concentration spell. Uh, Moonbeam is one. Conjure Animals could be one. Maybe Windwall. This weird snowballer one with somebody just rolling around. <laughs> this fucking uh, snowball that dealing damage to people could be kind of funny. Also seems like a pain in the ass to keep track of. Although on the map you could literally like embiggen the uh 
the uh, snow boulder like every round and really show like, hey, this thing's getting big and doing a lot of damage. Again, if they don't break my concentration. And then for instant spells, we've got Ice Knife, we've got Ice Storm, we've got Rhymes Binding Ice, and Snillock Snowball Swarm. So I'm not worried about uh, damage. I think we've got plenty of good spells to choose from. I will have to go over and make sure I I know what I'm going to do. Because one reason I hesitate about using a lot of spellcasters is because it can slow things down for everybody. Because i got to figure out what spells I'm casting and try to work out my tactics. Two... But these guys will be uh, not yet spawned. Oops. Four. And then, yeah, technically there's a light fog, which I think the only thing that does is disadvantage on perception checks. Um, if I wanted to, I could have there be a regional, like during this battle maybe, have there be the equivalent of the Sleet Storm spell maybe. I believe it's actually on their stat block. Uh, freezing rain and sleet fall in a 20-foot cylinder in a 40-foot radius. The area is heavily obscured and exposed flames in the area are doused. The ground is covered with slick ice, making it difficult terrain. When a creature enters the spell's area for the first time on a turn or starts its turn, they must make a deck save for chance to fall prone. So that's not bad because there's no damage being done, but that could be an interesting just... I could almost turn on um, a bigger regional hazard effect that's equal to Sleet Storm and just and have that be the Frost Maiden's influence in this battle. Like the Frost Druids all snap up and and heed the call of the Frost Maiden and then this Sleet Storm appears basically in this entire map. Um although I would probably argue that the snow golems would be immune to this effect. Summon creatures probably not so much. Must make a deck save on a sailed on a failed save it falls prone. And if a creature starts to turn in the spell's area and is concentrating on a spell, the creature must make a successful con save. So literally it triggers con saves against the spell save DC uh, every round. So that's also pretty crazy. I really wanted to jack up the difficulty of this encounter. A lot of this may depend on whether the players end up exploring that ship and how much damage they take may affect how hard I go on this encounter, because they could completely skip that ship, in which case I would go very hard here. But if they do end up going there and that takes up a big, meaningful encounter, then maybe I pull back on this one a little bit and not use um, as much tools and things as I was planning on it. Because I, I would ideally, I think, like for the Arl's Abode to be all one adventuring day, if I can avoid them having to long rest during both this and Grim Scala. So in other words, this is all part of like the same dungeon crawl. But they do have Leoman's Tiny Hut, and you know we're just going to kind of play it by ear and, and see how badly they are. I mean, I would like for them to at least short rest a couple times here versus not ever short resting and just doing a long rest. And I'm thinking just getting to Grim Scala will, is going to take a solid two sessions just because these combat encounters are going to take um, a while by themselves. So if we do the ship... And we do this one, that's probably a session. And then if we do the um, the ice sculptures, which is not going to be, I don't think, combat related, but will be like a creepy, you know, maybe traps and hazards and kind of a, you know, saves being done. I like the idea that was suggested on Monday where like the sculptures look like um, uh, them and like people they care about. And, you know, it's just a creepy like, you know, more uh, psychic trauma thing they have to deal with. And then they can move on to the mountain, you know, scaling the mountain to get to Grimscala. And then the main trial there is just a bunch of yetis and caves, another big fight with uh, yetis. But in this case, instead of the yeti being like, you know, one yeti being like a boss monster, I can use multiple yetis as basically minion type monsters and then have the abominable yeti as a boss monster. So they have to go through a whole trajectory of encounters before they even make it to Grimscala itself. And maybe they'll have to long rest. By the time they get to Grimscala, that's probably fine. We'll see on how well we they've managed their resources and everything. I'm not entirely against it just because I think they've got that Leoman's Tiny Hut available. All right, I think that is going to do it for this episode of Crafting Icewind Dale. If you enjoy the content, please do check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. Shoutouts to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Thomas, Stan, William, I'm Loud, Brandon, Genocider, David, Eclectic, Roleplay, Roll, Christopher, Brian, William, David, Jammin, Clams, Corey, Koa, 1337, Jacob, Eric, and Kyle. 
and Gold Patrons, RPG Papercrafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Marcus, Dead Lizard, Lion, Sam, Lumpy Spuds, Jerome, Nathan, Fasaka, Tortoise, Scott, Humanoid Size, Sphincter, Stephanie, Refus, and Carolyn. Thank you all very much for your support, and I will see you for D&D tomorrow night.